Hello, and welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. This is a podcast about music where me, Gordon, and my brother John Hello. talk through a band's history and their albums and pick our favourite tracks as we go. You can catch up with us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Jeffrey Podcast. And we have a website, which is jeffreymusic.rocks. This episode is about Queen, who in the UK are, I was thinking about this earlier, are absolutely massive. They're probably the most famous band, except probably the Beatles. But I just can't think of anyone who has quite sort of iconic status as Queen have. And people still talk about yeah. them, even though really they haven't produced an album worthy of the name for how long? 30 odd years or something? For the research, did you read any books? Yep, I read a book called Unseen or Queen Unseen by Peter Hintz, who was a roadie. And he was Freddie Mercury's roadie, primarily. Although he was very close to John Deacon as well. So that was his sort of stories from the road over the years that he was with the band. So I read that as my primary. Okay, that sounds interesting. Did you enjoy it? Um, not as much as you might think, actually. Uh, it wasn't as interesting as you might think. It was a lot of roadie tales. So there was a lot of, this was the 1970s, 80s as well. So there's there's a lot of kind of debauchery on the road, a lot of drink and drugs and sex. And I wouldn't, it wasn't explicit in the, in the way that you referred to them, but the innuendo was so obvious. It was kind of almost worse than being explicit. It talked about Queen Unseen, but there was actually much less Queen in it than you think. It was mainly, this is what it's like being a roadie for for Queen. So the insight into the band themse- themselves was actually quite small. You only felt you got slithers of light into, into what was going on with Queen themselves. So it's a yeah. little disappointing. And if you're concentrating on Queen live, of course, they, they didn't play live for the last section of their, their career. No. And I mean, he left anyway around the sort of kind of magic time i think he did the kind of magic tour as a sort of favor to them and that was actually their final tour and then he had some involvement in studio and some relationship with them but no not much after that what about your research anyway Uh, well I, i read two books the first one is called is this the real life the untold story of queen by mark blake who i read the pink floyd book for that for that episode so i thought we would a safe pair of hands here was it good proved to be true yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the way the beginning starts just with Freddie and then Brian comes in and then Roger comes in and then John comes in. And I like the way he did that. When they become famous, it becomes a little bit less interesting. And I sort of slowed down on it then. And then after that, once I'd got over that, I just kept reading and actually found it quite enjoyable. The other book I read was a Martin Popoff book, which is Queen album by album, which is him and basically people just discussing the albums particularly, which I initially decided to not read. And then when I started actually getting into the albums, I went back to it and I sort of read it quite quickly at the end of the research. But I did actually enjoy it once I'd, I think after, I would say, probably listening to everything, say about three times, all the albums started to grow on me. And I, I just got a little bit more interested and and that, I think, gave me the enthusiasm to read read the book. And I, I then really enjoyed it, having put it aside quite early on. Yeah, I mean, I found I read Martin Popoff's book when we did Rush. Uh, I read three of his books about Rush, and I found them to be thoroughly researched, but not particularly thoroughly written. There just seemed to be a lot of copy-paste rather than, of other people's quotes rather than the narrative. 
been drawn out of that. And I found that a little frustrating and I felt he could have he could have put in a much stronger narrative and, and used the quotes to inform the narrative rather than necessarily just paste massive chunks of paragraphs in. Was it similar? I mean, it's a slightly different take if you're going album by album. Yeah, because it's more of a basically a transcript of a conversation, although I guess it's an edited transcript because they're jumping around with different people. So That would explain why he's so prolific. Yeah, I mean, you get a little introduction to each album, so it gives a little bit of the band history, and then there are different people talking. So there's, you know, there's, um, I think, Steve Robbery from Marillion in there, and Paul McCartney on a couple of them. All right, well, Popoff's got a bit, got quite level, high level access then, hasn't he? Yeah, he's not done bad there. But there's other, there's other people who are in other bands who are Queen fans and people in Queen cover bands as well. So they, you know, people who really know the music very, very well. Okay, well, I look forward to you dripping this into the conversation as we as we talk through it. It sounds like you're going to be more informed than I am. I will only be able to tell you what happened in the in the roadie bus at each point. <laughs> so we will start off. So we have the lineup of Farak Bulsara, who took Freddie as a name quite early on in in life as a child. So certainly pre Queen, and the Mercury was taken from the lyrics of My Fairy King. Brian May and Roger Taylor were both in the band straight away. John Deacon joined in February 71 after a, a short list of bass players. Mike Gross, Barry Mitchell and Doug Bogey all played bass early on before John Deacon took over. They were largely influenced sort of through prog music. So G- Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, yes. I think they were all big fans of uh, Jimi Hendrix in particular. And they placed the first first gig in July 1971. I believe that's in London because I think there's a plaque near it. It's a, a street just by the Royal Albert Hall. I'm pretty sure there's a plaque there that Queen played their first gig there. Yeah, I imagine it will be. They were all um, at university in London and that is sort of where they, they met. So the first album comes out in 1973 and that is called Queen. So kick us off, John. What did you, what did you think of this? Well, I've known this album for a long time. I've, ha- I've had it for you know, decades. So I, I think it's a pretty decent rock album. It's it's kind of a, a glam prog pop rock thing, which is quite unique, I think. I don't think there's many things that sounded like that at the time. You could definitely hear the the Jimi Hendrix influence. You can hear the progginess. You can obviously hear a bit more glam than than you mentioned then, I think, as well. That's that's present, even though it's rockier than their later stuff. But you've you've really got the eccentricities already there. It's got loads of energy. It's a bit up and down. It's certainly not consistent. And I think side two is nowhere near as good as side one, but not much else like it at the time. I, I did think when, when I first heard it and before I knew the reason, I thought it was quite baffling to include the little snippet of Seven Seas of Rye at the end. I, I couldn't quite make that make any sense in my head at the time, but I've since found out why they did it. So it's a little bit more sense, but then they ruined it by not completing that idea. Do you know that, by the way? Shall I? No, you, you expand, fella. Shall I expand? Okay, I expand. I will expand away. That it wasn't fully written at the time, but what their idea was put like a teaser on at the end and then start the next album with Seven Seas of Rye. So the album would kind of almost flow into the next one, which I kind of quite like that idea. And I thought that's pretty cool. I've never known a band do that. There may well be examples, but I'm not aware of any where the, the albums are deliberately designed to flow into each other. Mm. But then they didn't do that when they get to Queen 2. They abandoned the idea. So quite a nice idea, but then sort of ruined. Yeah, the idea of starting an out. Starting and finishing an album with a bit so it could loop, I've heard before. Yeah, sure. But yeah. Um, reprising an earlier theme is not that unusual, yes. 
Yeah. No, that is a good idea. It is a shame they didn't actually do it. Yeah, I think so. Particularly as the opening to Queen 2. That is quite... I'm not particularly into that procession thing, but we'll come to that. Yeah, what do you think of Queen, the debut album then? Yeah, so Queen 1, I largely agree with you. I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, do you think, you know, the Queen elements are largely there? It's quite theatrical, isn't it? I would say, add to sort of elements in there. I think side one is very good. Side two is less interesting. There's a few tracks that you would just call a stereotypical rock song. The Jesus song at the end is a bit weird. It does, it, again, that's theatrical, isn't it? It does sound like it's yeah. come from Jesus Christ Superstar or something. If somebody told you it was from that and it was a cover, you, you would believe them, wouldn't you? Yeah, it does seem very odd and lyrically odd as well. It's not a bad song necessarily, but it's just, it, it is odd. Yeah. I mean, they do actually come back and they have some sort of quite lyrically to go back to sort of Christianity, don't they? But it's not something I expect to find on a, a rock record personally. No, no, me neither. But yeah, I think the the first side definitely a lot better. Um, Liar, which is kind of one of the stronger tracks, definitely, I think is just far too long. And it's a shame they didn't just have it a bit shorter. It would be a lot stronger, I think. So is that... Is that one of your favourites? Would you propose that for the set list, uh, for the playlist? Sorry. Well, n- not necessarily. I think the first, the first half plus Liar, I would say, are the best songs. But I do think Liar drags on. I know, like Keep Yourself Alive and Liar are the two, in inverted commas, famous tracks here. Yeah, I think they're the two famous tracks for good reason. I mean, Keep Yourself Alive was obviously their first track and was a single. Uh, Liar was a single as well, I think, wasn't it? So it, it does yes, make it sense. Was, yeah. But I agree with you. I think all of side one, if by this, I mean, one tracks one to five. So Keep Yourself Alive, Doing All Right, Great King Rat, My Fairy King and Liar, I think are all pretty decent tracks. They are my top five tracks. So Yes, me too. I don't particularly mind which ones, but I would probably suggest we do include one of Keep Yourself Alive and Liar, at least. I would say, for me, Keep Yourself Alive is the best song. Right, okay. On the album, that's my top song. So shall we pick that? Yeah, that's fine. I think I would probably put Liar as my top, but I'm happy with Keep Yourself Alive. I think Keep Yourself Alive is a great song until there's a bit, a weaker bit toward the end of it as it sort of fades out or just before it fades out where it goes into a kind mm. of, it loses the main rhythm and goes into a different bit and it just feels that it sort of loses something then and just feels a bit underwritten, a little bit naive yeah. maybe, but that's a tiny quibble. I do think it's a pretty decent song. Are the other tracks, do you have a, a favourite amongst those? Uh, well, well, we'll just say uh, Doing All Right was an old, song from brian may's previous band called smile which roger taylor was also in i believe yes i think so yes i do like that but i would prefer probably great king rat or or liar as we as discussed but i do like doing all right as well well you pick one great king rat then let's go for that i think it gives you a bit more of an exposure into the proggier side so the next album is 1974, which is Queen 2. They got into the production here a little bit and also went a little bit overboard on it. But it does, I think, feel like a continuation of the first album. And obviously what you were saying about Seven Seas of Rye, they felt it that way. Do you think it's an improvement? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I mean, I do think it's slightly strong. the songwriting is slightly stronger overall. I think it's more consistent in terms of the quality. It feels a bit more coherent. Whilst, whilst it's more consistent, it therefore feels just a bit less interesting and it doesn't feel like it's taking us any new direction. There's nothing here that we don't get on Queen 1, really. So in some ways, yeah, I think it's a smarter version in some ways, but in other ways, a slightly less interesting version. So I'm sort of a bit wavering on that one, really. 
uh, again, I don't dislike it. It just feels like more of the same. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is more of the same. I think also the because they have really short gaps, don't they, between the songs, so you don't actually particularly notice the difference. And I think mm. some of the songs' identities just get completely lost. I think that's a, that's a good observation, actually. It took me quite a while, and I kept having to check which song am I on now, and going back and just checking for that reason. Especially as some of them seem to be, you know, you'll get something like The White Queen as it began, March of the Black Queen, Fairy Feathers Master Stroke, Ogre Battle. They're all similar titled in that kind of fantasy realm. So, and, and that happened on the previous album as well, of course. So, yeah, it does make it a little bit more confusing to get to know the album. Yeah. I mean, as, as I said earlier, I think, I think I don't, the procession bit sums seems a bit pointless. Had they kept with the Seven Seas of Rye idea, I think that would have been more interesting. It also follows up with Father to Son, which is um, another early song, but I, I think that's a little bit dull as well. It then gets going and it, it is quite enjoyable, but a little bit unremarkable. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I agree with Procession. I agree about Father to Son feels a little bit anonymous. But then, yeah, I think White Queen is pretty good. Someday, one day, I really quite like as well. Which I think it's a brand May track, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it does feel a little bit like it's a bit of a waste having anybody else singing on Queen with Freddie being so great. But actually, I think that's pretty good. My other track that I like is The March of the Black Queen. Okay. And Seven Seas of yeah. Rise as well is a pretty decent track, of course. And there's another couple which would be slightly lower down. I think most of that, I'm just trying to look at my, my tracks. I think I've got Seven Seas of Raya's top. Right. And then there's a, a big grump of it, uh, sorry, a big lump of them that are all, I think, quite good, which is White Queen, Fairy Fellas, Master Stroke, um, Ogre Battle, including Nevermore. I would pick those, I think, or from those for the second track. Well, I'm happy with Seven Seas of Rye. And obviously, it was a big single as well for them. So happy with that. So then the other cluster you said was around the, what did you say? White Queen or Black Queen? I said White Queen, White um, Queen. Ogre what? Battle, Fairy Fellows, Masterstroke or Nevermore. Of those, I prefer White Queen as it began. Okay. You are you can nominate your own if you prefer. Well, mine were going to be Seven Seas of Rye, White Queen as it began, Someday, One Day and oh, fair enough. So that's um, the overlap, March of the Black Queen. So it's in my top cluster, so it's all right. Don't you worry, fella. I will speak up for myself. Yes, you usually do. And so we've got Queen second, Queen two second on the list. I think we're agreed it stays there. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's a massive, obvious difference, but yeah, on balance, yeah. it's not adding enough to sneak above the top of the, the debut. So the next one, we go to 1974, which is Sheer Heart Attack. This was sort of recorded a lot quicker than they wanted to after Queen 2 because Brian became ill. He had hepatitis. And so he was in the studio less, just going into the studio when he could and doing what he could around his illness. But I think they were, they were also reacting to the rather lacklustre response to Queen 2. So I think they've gone to for a more, a more straight rock album here. Do you like this one anymore? Yeah, I, I, I think it is actually a bit more interesting. I like the rockier elements more. I think Brighton Rock's a decent, a decent starter. It's not brilliant, but I think it's pretty good. I do like the rock songs more. We've got a, a John Deacon track for the first time with Misfire, which is probably a bit of a misfire. It's not a particularly good track, but it's good to see John Deacon making his debut, at least on, on a recorded debut as a songwriter. And of course, you've got the Biggie Killer Queen. So Freddie's writing is going much more in a poppy direction in that kind of theatrical, slightly camp pop that he did. 
that's definitely happening now already. Whereas Brian is still, as the other main songwriter, Brian is still very guitar-y, very rocky. And you see that with Brighton Rock with Now I'm Here. Those songs are really proper, real guitar-driven fellas. But yeah, pretty pretty good. Tenement Funster, another one similar. So so yeah, I I do think it's a better album. I think it's stronger. I think it's getting a bit more kind of about it. What's your thoughts? It feels to me like a more of the same, but with I do think it does also feel like a stepping stone to what's to come. So I think they they do jump around a little bit stylistically, which obviously they really do a lot in on future albums. But I would say kind of the same as, as I would about the previous albums in the fact that I don't find it that remarkable, with the exception, obviously, of the of Killer Queen, which I, I do think is their first, you know, real banger track. And it was a big hit. It really, in terms of Queen history, I don't think Queen would have happened without it. It gave them enough interest and enough freedom to then go and do the next album. Oh, yeah, it, it totally leveled. They leveled up with that completely. So, I mean, from, from that point of view, like you say, obviously, John Deacon's song isn't great, but he's dipping his toe into songwriting. And they all obviously write. And as I was saying about the vocals as well, they do seem tend to sing their own, don't they? Which I do think actually all three are, are good vocalists. I think Roger certainly could have been a vocalist, could have been a frontman of any other band, pretty much. Obviously, nobody's going to outfront Man Freddy. But when I saw them live, Roger did Those Were the Days of Our Lives. He sang that. And he's not a front man. You know, he has a slightly awkward mannerism, just doesn't have that strut and confidence of Freddie or Adam Lambert. But he, his vocal performance was absolutely spot on. He was really good, as was Brian when he sung. He sung a couple of songs as well, mm. of course, and he was great as well. But I just think there's, there's some quality to Freddie's voice, which almost nobody else has. Mm. It was just such a distinct voice. Yeah. And so there's no criticism of them. The strength, the power in it. There's no criticism of them whatsoever. It's... You're against probably the number one rock frontman ever. Yeah, and you can't compete. That. And Brian, I, f- I think whose voice is definitely third out of the three, in actually the right, with the right song, I think his vocals are excellent too. Anyway, what songs are we going for? Killer Queen. It's, I think it's got to be Killer Queen. Yeah, and then I'm happy one with that. other. Well, my, my probably almost equal to Killer Well, possibly actually I like it more than Killer Queen is Now I'm Here. I also like loads of other songs on this album, by the way. I like Brighton Rock. I do like Tenement Funster. I like, uh, well, I said now I'm here. I like In the Lap of the Gods. I like Stone Cold Crazy. Um, I like In the Lap of the Gods Revisited. I also quite like, you know, Flick of the Wrist, Lily, Lily of the Valley. They're a bit lower down, but I do quite like them as well. So there's loads on this album I do quite like. There are some definite weak points as well. I do think as the are doing so far is that one side of the album seems to be a lot stronger than the other and i would say side one for this album um agree i'm not particularly into brighton rock but i think the rest of the songs on that side are are very good and definitely better than the rest yeah i would agree although i do like in the lap of the gods and stone cold crazy but i think the rest of side two is a little bit weaker yeah and things like bring back leroy brown that sort of you can see that kind of almost rockabilly or swing thing which comes back later on various albums in the future that's you're saying well, about that very the next kind of, album that very stylistically mixed up thing is a, a very different sound it's almost it's almost sort of jazzy isn't it and going that way but which yeah. they do go back to quite a bit yeah so um do you want now i'm here then it's the second song yeah and in terms of ranking you want that at the top so far i would definitely put that top of so far yeah So next up, we go to 1975 and A Night at the Opera, 
They're currently successful, but don't have any money. So they break with their manager, Norman Sheffield, who they notice seemed to be doing rather much better than they were on the financial front. I think they, they consciously toned down the vocals on this album, generally, not in every song. And yeah, they, they're getting more to this. I think this is now the sort of the queen that we expect when we uh, listen to an album. It's, we've got the styles jumping around. The first song, Death on Two Legs, is about the manager. That's that's the person there sticking the knife into there, who they seem to think had run off with all his, their money or something like that. So how do you like this album? Uh, yeah, I do like it. I think it's a very strong album. I agree with what you're saying about it sounding a lot more like the Queen we know and love and the Queen you're much more familiar with. They seem to have much more settled into their style of either either Freddie's slightly more vocal-driven, poppier end or Brand's slightly more guitar-driven, rockier songs. It seemed to swing from one to the other mainly. So Death on Two Legs, I think, is a great song. And then they go to things like Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon, which I just you know, Seaside Rendezvous, those kind of songs I'm not so keen on. 39, I'm not that keen on. But most of the rest of it, I really like. And we've got a decent John Deacon track as well with You're My Best Friend, which is great to see. And of course, you've got the biggie, Bohemian Rhapsody at the end. So yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting album. It jumps about. I do Again, I think Side 1's probably stronger than Side 2, mostly, with some exceptions, like Love of My Life and Bohemian Rhapsody, which I think are pretty decent. What do you think? I think it's fairly consistent. Um, I w- I'm not sure about the two sides thing particularly. Yeah, I mean, the, the lazing on a Sunday afternoon feels a little bit of a, a mistake. You know, it, it starts with a really good song and then you've got this sort of, you know, they've got three sort of jazzy songs, which to yeah. me seems like too many. And even though I don't particularly like that kind of thing, I quite like Seaside Rendezvous and Good Company. So I just think like, just get rid of lazing on a Sunday afternoon. And I think Good Company is placed in the wrong place. Having it in between Love of My Life and Bohemian Rhapsody is Doesn't not make the place sense for that song. So yeah, I think I, I think it gets book. lost there. And I I don't particularly like the song anyway. But I I think these kind of slightly flippant songs, if you're going to do them, you've got to tie them in nicely onto your album. And as you say, I think this it feels like they're piling up a little bit because I think Thirty Nine feels a little bit like that, like in that area as well to me. I do like the Prophet song actually, which is on side two as well. But yeah, yeah, the Prophet song's good, yeah. Um, I quite like 39. I watched the documentary about classic albums and it was about this one. And they did, you know, Brian explained about it being basically nodding to an old-fashioned folk song about, a, you know, a sea voyage, but actually it's sci-fi because it's actually about a spaceship voyage. Um, and then he sung it and I sort of listened to it slightly differently after that. So I, I do actually quite like it. Fair enough. I just found it a little bit sort of twee. Oh, it's about overall. I do think it, I do think it's a very interesting album. I think it's a good album. I think it's got some great tracks on it. I do think it's a bit up and down uh, with the things that we've just mentioned, but it's also you know incredibly creative and interesting as well. So it, it's certainly not a, one of those albums that I would describe as a classic album that you think, oh my god, you know every bit of this just feels perfectly curated and designed. And no, it still feels like a bunch of songs, some of which are great, some of which aren't so great. Yeah, but on balance, I do think it's strong. Yeah. I do think if, if I'd have been in charge, I would have put good company in place of lazing on a Sunday afternoon and got rid of that and also got rid of God Save the Queen. I don't, I don't like it at the end of After Bohemian Rhapsody. Again, it just feels like mid after this big epic song. And then they've got that. And I kind of get the joke. I mean, if you're not British, you might not know, but in the seventies, I don't, was the two channels or three? And if, and at the end of the BBC programmes, at the end of the day, which wasn't quite that late, it might even be like sort of 
half 11 midnight, they would say, right, that's the programming for today. Or, you know, or whatever they said, it was probably great. It was something like Very that. posh and formal. And then they would play the national anthem. And I think that's probably where this is a nod to, you know, very much tongue in cheek. But after Bohemian Rhapsody, it doesn't quite work. And actually, I would have saved that joke for another album, maybe put it on the, you know, a day at the races. I, I agree. I think you can't. Yeah, it, it's a very good point. I think it's it's a misstep. I think of the design of the album, it just didn't need to be there. And it's only like, what, if you, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is. So you're not losing anything by doing it one, one minute 15. Mm. So you're not losing much by lobbing it off. But I think you're right. It, it does ruin the effect of the end of the album. Yeah. And obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody is sort of one of the most famous songs of all time. How do you feel about it now? I, I tend to find that the thought of listening to it quite sort of tr- upsets me. And I just like, I, I just think I don't want to listen to it again. But every time I do listen to it, I end up singing along to it and enjoying it. I think I would say pretty much the same. It's one of those songs that is so familiar. You just think, I don't need to hear it again. Because it, it's, there's very few songs that are in that category that are so over-familiar that you just don't feel there's any point until you hear it. And as you say, you sing every word. And I think if, if you're with people and they don't all sing along, especially to the operatic bit, you just don't need those people in your life. What sort of toxic individual doesn't sing along to the operatic bit of Bohemian Rhapsody? I don't know of any. No. Well, fortunately, I don't. I'm, I must have weeded them out of my, my friendship groups because it's just not Good acceptable. Work. Yeah, not acceptable. So, yeah, and, and I think that's that's the sign of a masterpiece, isn't it? I think this is why it's considered a classic album, whereas if you take Bohemian Rhapsody off it, is it that remarkable? I mean, it's a decent album, though. I'm not being critical particularly but i think it is you know this absolutely remarkable song that's on it that has made it a classic album i think you're right it's doing all the heavy lifting in terms of putting this album into the classic category the rest of it is as you say decent but we keep saying remarkable and unremarkable and i think it's actually there isn't that much standing out if you take off bohemian rhapsody so where where we which well obviously songs we're going to pick two songs okay so bohemian rhapsody is presumably one of them I think it is has right? to be, yes. Yeah, Unless I, I we agree. create some that we decide because everybody knows the song, we don't pick it and just pick the next two. But Is it your favourite song on the album? It, it's Yeah. It's hard not to say it. I mean, I, I, mm. yeah, probably it, it. Well, no, not probably. Yes, of course it is. And after that, I would probably say Love of My Life, The Prophet Song, Death on Two Legs. Like many people, I have enormous affection for I'm in love with my car because of Roger. It's Roger's song. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun, corny song. And it was great on Live Killers. And it's become a live classic for that. But I wouldn't put it on the list. So along with no. Beaman Raps, I'd say either Love of My Life, Death on Two Legs, or what was the other one I said? Can't remember now. <laughs> well, whatever. Any, one, one of those two. Oh, you said The Prophet song, which I have the exact same list. So I have my second is Love of My Life. And then I've got Death on Two Legs, Prophet song, and also You're My Best Friend. Well, yeah, that's a decent song as well. It just doesn't quite make my top few. So let's put Love of My Life on then, because again, that gives us a different angle because it's the acoustic-y one. Then we'll take going back to um, I'm In Love With My Car. Apparently when Roger presented it to the band, Brian did say, uh, is this a joke? That's that's what's in the uh, the movie, isn't it? The the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody movie. They make this big oh, joke right? out of it. Yeah, it's a big sort of jokey, jokey part of the movie, which I think is shows that Roger doesn't take himself too seriously, that he was more than happy to allow the joke to feature quite heavily in the film. Yes, I don't remember that bit. 
I don't think they did, they ever do. Definitely, as a band, they obviously don't take themselves that seriously. I mean, they take obviously the the music they do is is serious, but I think you can't take yourself seriously. I don't know. I I wouldn't be able to comment on that. I think a lot of these bands might appear like they don't, but they probably do. And certainly, they take the music seriously, as you say. So we we, we yes, have to rank it then, fella. Where oh, we, we do, don't we? I've forgotten about that bit. Where are we going to rank it? Are you going to put it above Sheer Heart Attack or not? I think I would put it at the top. Yes, I think overall, I think it's got the the consistency overall of Sheer Heart Attack, but Bohemian Rhapsody takes it to another level. Okay, I'm convinced enough by that argument. I had them fairly close neck and neck, so I wasn't really quite sure. I was hoping when we recorded it that you would have a gun argument, which would help me sort that out. So that's good. I mean, overall, they are actually quite sort of similar from that point of view. I think they're, they're both better than the first two albums, as in consistency throughout the album. But yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is a better track than Killer Queen. They're both bangers, I have to say, both great. Okay, so let's let's do that then. Let's put that top. So next we go to 1976 and A Day at the Races. The record cover looks very similar to the last album, A Night at the Opera, both named after Marx Brothers films. So this kind of feels like another companion album to the previous one. How how do you feel about this one? Well, yeah, I think, as you say, the fact they're both named after Marx Brothers, one's night, one's day. One covers the Night at the Opera is a black cover. This is a white cover. So we've gone from night to day. So, yeah, it does feel a little bit like a companion piece. I, I agree with you on that. I think there's some very good songs on here. Again, you've got the Rocky opener, Tie Your Mother Down, which becomes a, a live staple. Then you've got what I think is a cracker, You Take My Breath Away, which is maybe a bit of a Love of My Life style song, Freddie at the Piano. I think that's a, a gorgeous song, and that was a bit of a discovery for me, one that I'd forgotten. But then I think it sort of wanders a little bit, the album, and it doesn't feel like it really gets itself back into shape until you get the brilliant Somebody to Love. Again, another absolute blindingly good song, I think. Somebody to Love. I think it's gorgeous. And I think it really gets back into back into shape then. But then it sort of little flops about a bit. A good old-fashioned lover boy's all right. So, yeah, I don't know. It does feel like it's n- not as consistent, but with some real, you know, fancy high points there. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's... They've obviously sort of carried on with a similar template, but I, I just... I don't find it as interesting overall. I think too much of it is okay. I, I, you know, Time You Tie Your Mother Down and Somebody to Love, which are the main two hits, I think are the, are the strongest songs generally. I, I do like good old fashioned Love About You, actually. You say the three tracks I would pick are Tie Your Mother Down, Somebody to Love, Good Old Fashioned Love About You. The rest I was less, less taken with. I'd, I find it a little bit, again, it's, it's more like the first two albums, I would say, just, or first, yeah, first two albums. I just find it sort of less, rem, less remarkable. I don't think it's like them in stylistically. No, no. I mean, the I first two are much rockier, proggier, theatrical. Well, they're still theatrical, of course. It's Queen, but it's they, they don't mm. have that sort of you know glam, glam, rocky, proggy thing. Yeah, I don't mean stylistically. I just, I just mean in terms of enjoying, but slightly underwhelmedness of it. Okay, so tracks we seem to be agreed on. Somebody to love and tie your mother down. Tie your mother down was right up there for me as well. Okay, so it sounds like we're ranking it below Night of the Opera. And I would go below Sheer Heart Attack as well. I would definitely agree on that. Would you go any lower? I'm not sure. I have them sort of at similar similar levels, so I, I wouldn't sort of argue that hard against wherever you want to put it, I don't think. Where would you put it? I think I'd leave it where it is, 
So at the moment in third spot below sheer heart attack, but above the first two. And the reason really is for those two standout tracks, or three in my case, standout tracks, which I just think are so much better than anything that they did on the first two or three albums. So, so you put it in third. The first two albums. So yeah. I'd probably go third. We should say, I didn't say as well, of the um, A Day at the Races is the first album that they self-produced. I do think pretty much all their albums sound quite good in terms of production, and they don't sound as dated as a lot of the albums around them from the same time often do. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Although I think that's slightly less true coming up in some of the later albums. But yeah, so far, I I would agree with that, yes. So let's move on to 1977 and News of the World. The robot on the front is apparently called Frank, and... That's, that's sort of the the end of my biographical notes for that one. Right. <laughs> do you want to go first? What are your thoughts? I can do. Yeah. There are a couple of um, things that, decisions here that I sort of really disagree with. Obviously, the track Sheer Heart Attack, for example, was must have been around for the time when the Sheer Heart Attack album came out. So it's been sat around, haven't got onto the other albums. So why on earth has it got onto this one? I think it was unfinished at the time they did the other album. Well, you know, you could, you could argue it's still unfinished well, term, if you have to like yeah. keep going until it's decent. My impression before I started was the fact that pretty much every Queen album has a couple of bangers on it and at least one stinker. And this is definitely the stinker on this album, I would say. Overall, I think it's a really good album. And apart from that song, I, I generally like it. I, I think there are moments here when I wonder about the choice of vocalists. I know they do tend to sing their own song. And as we've said before, Brian and Roger are both great vocalists. But sometimes I think he, on this album, I kind of thought, you know, Freddie should be should be singing here. Which song in particular are you thinking of with that? Sleeping on the Sidewalk. That's my weakest song on the album, actually. And I just felt that it made it weaker. And I thought, Brian, I didn't think Brian was adding anything there. With his, I think it's just because it's his song. And actually, Freddie, would, I think, would have done it better. Well, Freddie usually sings Brian's songs, so yeah, I think he just picks one or two for himself. And I do think even on this album, you know, the weaker tracks that are there are still better quality than some on others. There are some weird electrical noises on some tracks, which dates it a little and does not really add anything. So if I was remixing this album, I would take them off. It just sounds a bit rubbish. They've had a more stylistic change again, probably going back a little bit really, because it's more back to their roots and a more straightforward rock album. But I do think it really works and I do like it. Yeah, I think I'd be slightly less positive, but otherwise largely agree with you. I do think it's it's it, there are a couple of stinkers on here, as you as you say. Sleeping on the sidewalk for me is a bit of a low point. All dead, all dead, I'm not that keen on. Not mad keen on sheer heart attack, although I don't think it's as bad as you're saying. But most of the other tracks I do really like. I think We Will Rock You is an absolute classic. We Are The Champions isn't a favourite of mine, but I do think it's a great song. I love Spread Your Wings as well that would be my other top track so yeah I, I think it's got a lot on here which is it's very listenable i think it's it's an album that that grows on you it just feels a little bit more going on a bit deeper a bit more interesting than some of the other albums but yeah he's still got its ups and downs yeah so tracks wise i mean my top track is spread your wings is yours we will rock you it's spread your wings and we will rock you is well more or less the same okay so we can pick those two tracks Am I right in remembering that Spread Your Wings is the John Deacon track? You've got that correct. And I think this really shows you where John Deacon's going, just how good he's getting as a songwriter as well, because I think this is a, I mean, it's a, you know, absolute great track. But it also tells us something about John Deacon's psyche, I think, because he's Spread Your Wings, Spread Your Little Wings and Fly Away. He's also rates I Want to Break Free, 
much later. So there's definitely something about John Deacon, which is just he just wants to something in who he is. He was always the quiet one anyway, but there must mm. be something in him that just wants to just be free and and he did break free of Queen, of course, once doesn't tour with them anymore. But just two songs there that are that are real crackers from John Deacon that are both making similar ideas about breaking free, getting away, spreading your wings. Must be something in in his psyche. Yes, very possibly. Yeah. I think with you for John Deacon, he was the band were kind of in two groups, whereas there was Brian and Roger who were very much rockers and where and there was Freddie and John, I think, who were more sided and they were a bit more poppy and they liked the funk and you know, John Deacon was very much into I think, you know, soul music and that kind of thing. So obviously when they start going in that area, I think that was mainly sort of Freddie and John led at that at that time. So I, I think, think also that's why that there was also more tension, I think, between Freddie and Brian. Although of course there was huge affection, friendship and respect. But Freddie always said that working with on Roger's songs or John's songs, they were very happy for Freddie to stick his oar in and give his opinions, break them down, build them back up again, add in his own thoughts. Whereas Brian was much more resistant, much more wanting to control his own songs a lot more. So those were, I guess, musically the two stronger characters. As often happens in bands, you want to keep creative control of your own work. And Mm. so that was where the tension was. Not that it ever spilled out into anything particularly, particularly serious like it would in other bands. But I don't think they had that between the others. They were a bit more easygoing about their songs. But Spread Your Wings, for me, is absolutely John Deacon really getting into these peak songwriting. I agree. It's definitely one of my favourites. So we've got those two on the list. Where would you want to rank the album? Somewhere around Show Heart Attack, either above or below, but around there. Probably a bit below Night of the Opera, I guess. Somewhere around there. I think I will put it top. I think it is. You go above Night of the Opera? Yeah, I think it is sort of more enjoyable overall. Okay. I mean, I have them very similar. I do have it below Night of the Opera, but but not by far, not by much. So you're happy with it to go top for now? Yeah. And now we jump to 1977, from 1977. So a big leap. Big leap. We come to the jazz album, which is referencing the Montreux Jazz Festival, not the fact that this is um, a specially jazzy album. What do you think of this one? Well, I, I kind of really like this. I have a lot of affection for this album. I think it's got... Some really strong songs on it. Mustafa, Fat Bottom Girls, Bicycle Race, Don't Stop Me Now, of course. I love the end bit, the more of that jazz coda section. I think that's a brilliantly put together piece and a really good, the best, could I say it's one of, it's the best album ending Queen ever achieve. And I would probably say it's one of the best album endings ever. I certainly wouldn't say the best, but certainly one of. So I do I do really like the way that's put together. I think that was Roger. I think that's very well done. So yeah, I think it's got some really strong songs on here. Some of my absolute favourites. There are, again, there's some, as you said, some stinkers on every album. There's definitely a bit of that here and there. Leaving Home Ain't Easy, I don't think it's a particularly strong track. But yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty damn good actually. What about you? You got that little impish look on your face that you're gonna say the opposite. Yes, you've got it in one. Oh, is this the one where we totally disagree? It could well, it could well be. There are more potential ones coming up. I think this is a real drop and it's a little bit, I would just like saying it just comes across as a bit sort of boring, middle of the road. There's some novelty songs on it and some of it's about, you know, things like if you can't beat them. Yeah, that's not a great Join song. them. That's just embarrassingly all, um, yeah. obvious, you know, lyrics are terrible. Yeah, that is rubbish. And some of the, even the good songs like Bicycle Race is really jolly, but then it just feels a bit silly and novelty at the same time. Although it is hard to not enjoy it. 
it is a, it is about the Tour de France, apparently. Freddie was watching it, I think, and that's where that came from. But, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Mustafa. That's my stinker of the album for this oh, one. Oh, really? No, oh, you, I like, you like that. It, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm really not that close to you. I think re- Let Me Entertain You as well, I really don't like. Oh, I do. I quite like that. Yeah. That's quite, the, I mean, the rest of it's, it's not okay. a favourite, but it's else, a good one. There's nothing else I hate on it, really, apart from those. Well, I don't hate them, but, you know, I don't like them. Mm. The rest is kind of okay, but I don't think it compares to anything else they've done. Oh, right. No, I disagree. Okay, so we've got a big disagreement here. Let, let's. Which songs are you going for? Let's nail the tracks first. I would pick Don't Stop Me Now and Jealousy are my top two. I would then probably go to Bicycle Race next. Well, my top tracks don't stop me now, and then probably Bicycle Race. Jealousies are slightly lower down, although I still like it. Um, I like Fat Bottom Girls, Mustafa. So, so, like so, yeah, so those two so tracks, obviously. Don't the Stop ones, Me Now yeah. is definitely our top track, and we'll put Bicycle Race on with it. Yeah, that's the other one that's in the the intersection of our Venn diagrams. So my issue here is obviously I, I, I would leave it at the bottom, I think, ranking. Where, where would, oh, okay. Let's start with where you would rank it here. I'd rank it pretty high, close to News of the World, but I wouldn't have put News of the World top. So I would I would be around, I think it's, I actually prefer it to News of the World, but I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it top. So I suppose we'll have to go sort of halfway through in a kind of a bit of a muddy compromise. Where would, where was, Where is halfway as we stand? Well, we're at album seven, I think. So it would be something we're talking about, putting it perhaps in between A Day at the Races and Sheer Heart Attack. Yeah, I'd prefer it than Day at the Races. Is Day at the Races above Sheer Heart Attack? No, it's below. Okay, yeah, that's good. I'd put it above Day at the Races. I mean, I would ideally put it above Sheer Heart Attack, but I perhaps that's that's my compromise, maybe, between those two. You don't look happy. I think you I want can, to go below I Day at I the Races. With, I think if you can live with that, I I can. Possibly even, actually, I... I could accept it above sheer heart attack if you want. I might need to have a pull in some other points. I'm thinking later with other albums that I like and I'm not expecting you to. Okay. It's clearly, I don't think, as good as Night at the Opera or News of the World. Then I would start throwing teacups across the room. I'm okay with it going above sheer heart attack. For me, sheer heart attack's great. I think it's a good album. I think jazz I would prefer. So yes, I would put it above that. Yes. So next... We've got, we're hitting the 80s now. So 1980s, The Game, which is the first album with synthesizers on that they released, I will say, because the next album is actually the first one they recorded with synthesizers. This came out first, just before Flash Gordon. What did you make of The Game? It's quite a short album, quite unusual, something like 35 minutes or something like that. So I think it's a really short album. It's obviously got some brilliant songs on it, like Another One Bites the Dust. Crazy little thing called Love is a Big Hit, although it's not really a favourite of mine. Save Me is quite a biggie and Play the Game. Those are the four most famous ones, I think. Another one bites the dust for me there, clearly the standout. It does have a dragon attack I quite like. Apart from that, I find it a little, apart on the other tracks I mentioned, everything else I just find to be a bit filler and a little bit like, meh, it's all right. It doesn't really particularly grab me. So I think being quite short and being half not very interesting. I don't think it's terrible by any means, but half of it is just not that interesting. I think Neither Your Loving Tonight is pretty bad. That's the stinker for me. So a real mixed bag, not quite sure. I don't. I, it feels a little bit kind of between ideas at this point. Not, probably not quite sure where to go after that. The last four albums all felt to be plowing the similar sort of ideas, similar sound. They feel a little bit like they're kind of thinking, where do we go next? 
Mm. And this feels like it's not quite sure. So good and bad, bit of mixed bag, some crackers, some stinkers. It's all right, bit short. Yeah, I wonder if actually being short is actually a strength of it because I actually quite like this album and I enjoyed it when I listened to it. Actually, I agree on the stinker. We've definitely got that. I think Dragon and Tack is like really, it's a good balance of it. It's with, it's the funk coming in as well. And they've got a really nice balance, I think, of funk and rock on that song. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there is a massive standout track, particularly on the album, but I do find it generally quite consistent and enjoyable. I think probably Play the Game is my favorite track, I think. Yeah, I do like Play the Game. I like Dragon Attack. I like the Run Bites of Dust. Those first three, for me, are by far and away the, f- the strongest tracks. And then Save Me would probably be next. And the rest of it, as I said, to me is a little bit much for muchness. Yeah, so I, th- I think we generally agree, although I just like it more than you. So it seems like Play the Game and Another One Bites the Dust are probably the two tracks. And I kind okay. of feel bad leaving Dragon Attack off, because I think I'd, if I was going to listen to it, I'd listen to that just for lack of familiarity, whereas Another One Bites the Dust is, again, one of those tracks you just think, I've heard it so many times, to be honest. Yeah. But that's a, that's a sign of its brilliance, not a sign of its weakness. It's just a sign of me having, I don't feel there's anything left to find there, mm. whereas I'm sure I'd pick up more listening to Dragon, Dragon Attack many more times. Yeah. So where would you rank the album? I would rank it around where we're putting Day of the Races-ish, that kind of place. So below Sheer Heart Attack, above or below Day of the Races, somewhere around there. I mean, I would definitely put it above. I would have it a little bit higher. I think I would hear... above Sheer Heart Attack? I mean, if it was just me, I would have it above Jazz as well. But yeah, I would. I think so. I'm not going to push for the Jazz thing because that's their... like it. But yeah, I think it is a consistently decent album. I would have it above Sheer Heart Attack, so I'm going to push for that and no more. If you're okay. okay. Well, let's do that then. Yeah, that's fine. So the next album is also 1980. And as I previously said, it was actually recorded before the game, but it was released just after. And that's the soundtrack to the Flash Gordon film. Personally, I, d- I didn't listen to this anywhere near as much as the other ones. And I really didn't particularly enjoy it. I think if you if you're a fan of the film... I think you'd have to be a very big fan of the film to enjoy it. I do actually like the film, but I just really didn't take to this. It is a soundtrack. It's not really a proper album. The Flash themes himself been far from my favourite Queen song. It it almost isn't a proper Queen album, is it? No, it really isn't. It is a it's a soundtrack album, and it shouldn't really be in their canon because he's not trying to be a Queen album. He's trying to be a soundtrack album, and it, as far as I know, it works in what's a, a pretty ridiculous film, but seems to work okay in that context, but it doesn't work as an album. I mean, are you able to pick out two tracks? Yeah, I think I would pick Battle Theme, and then I would pick one of Vulton's Theme or Football Fight. Uh, of those, I would prefer Vulton's Theme. I, I would probably pick The Hero at the end and The Kiss to give us quite different things because the hero is kind of a bit more the sort of flash theme style and the kiss is much more of a soundtracky piece but i think it's quite nice so to be a bit more illustrative i don't really like what did you say the first one you said battle theme. battle theme yeah not particularly keen on that football fights all right but again it's the more up-tempo ones that have just a bit more about them mm. so i would probably go for the hero and the kiss but i could be okay with vulton's theme vulton's theme attack of the Hawkmen to give it its full title. Yeah, so we've got Volton's theme and... Well, either The Hero or The Kiss, I suppose. Maybe The Hero. It's a bit more of a proper song. Okay, we'll go with that. And obviously we're ranking this at the bottom. Oh, yeah. So the next album, there's a bit of a gap. 
1982 and Hot Space. The band that are less happy here, I think particularly from Roger and Brian about the musical direction. Most of this was recorded separately in, in the studio. And this is definitely well into the 80s now here and you can, you can hear it. I'm not expecting you to like this album. Is, is that true? I actually think that the songwriting is pretty good on here. And I think these are a collection of pretty decent songs. However, I think the production or the choice of instrumentation perhaps is dreadful with the exception, obviously, of Under Pressure, the last song, which doesn't really fit in terms of stylistic, the David Berry collaboration. So I think the rest of the albums, actually, I, I do think the songs are pretty good. I just think that they're terribly created because they're so electronic. And quite the, the things that are special about Queen, of course, Freddie's voice, but Brian's guitar is, is huge. It's so important. His guitar sound is so unique. Uh, John's bass and, and Roger's drums are great. They're really, really solid, funky rock drumming and bass playing. And they just seem to have chucked all of that out to use synthesizers around what's actually some pretty decent songs. So I think if they, if they were to re-record these as rock songs, I think, I think it could be a real cracker, but it isn't. It's a, a very 1980s sounding album. Yeah, so that's my view of this. But I do really like some of the songs. I like Staying Power, I like Body Language, Under Pressure, of course. And yeah, I'm kind of frustratingly wanting to re-record it with proper instruments. In the same way as I sort of talked about, we did Rush and when Rush hit the 80s. I was, I'd love to hear them re-record something like Signals with a lot more guitar, as much as I love that album. So that's where I am with that. I sort of actually agree with you a lot on that. I do think the songs are better. I think I've obviously enjoyed this album a lot more because I can kind of accept why people don't like this album particularly, but I do enjoy it. And I think... A lot of the elements that you've said actually would be interesting if they re-recorded it and just put Freddie's vocals back in and that that would be good. I disagree about staying power. I think that's a pretty terrible opener. But the the rest of the album I think is is all right and is actually good in places. I really enjoyed it. I mean some of some of the lyrics I didn't particularly you know, the um is it put out the fire, the thing about the guns. I just there's some really clunky lyrics in there that I thought I find it annoying. But I did I do actually really enjoy this album. And if it was talking about which album would you pull out to listen to, this is one of the ones that would be seriously considered. I can see why, because it does feel like lots and lots of untapped potential across the whole album. So therefore, it sort of piques your curiosity a lot more than some of the other albums, which don't have that same untapped feeling around Mm. them. So I can can kind of get why you'd say that. And it's nowhere near as bad as people make out. And it is kind of like dissed as sort of like put it down, shove it down the bottom next to Flash. And I don't think that's fair. But yes, I do think it's ill, ill considered in terms of chucking mm. out a large, largely chucking, not entirely, of course, but largely chucking out the real instruments from a band that are so good at playing their instruments and that forming such a key part of their sound. I just find that those choices a bit odd. I do think as well, going back to Under Pressure, it's so tacked on the end. It, it does yeah. seem ridiculous. They even I, I think they need to either go at it head on and have it as the opening track or just not have it on the album. Yeah, just have it as a standalone single. Yeah. Apparently David Bowie did do, also do vocals on Cool Cat, but then asked for them to be taken off, saying that his performance wasn't good enough. But I, I don't know whether he perhaps he just didn't like the song. I think it's one of the better songs on the album. I quite, cool I quite Cat, like but, it, yeah. So Yeah. Is is Under Pressure the most tacked on the end of an album song ever? I would venture that it possibly is. I can't think of something better um, as an example. So, so yes, for the moment, it's the, the uh, to our knowledge, 
it's the most tacked on the end of an album song ever. Yes. If anyone listening has any um, any better examples, please message us and we'll, uh, we'll have a listen. So uh, in terms of songs, I mean, that would be my favourite song on the album. And second, a cluster of second places would be Cool Cat, Staying Power, which I know you don't like. So that's not going to figure, obviously. I do quite like Body Language. I quite like Dancer. I also quite like Las Palabras d'Amour, The Words of Love. Do you got much to add to that or take away from that? Yeah. So I think grudgingly, because I'm a bit bored of the song, I would, Under Pressure is the best song. So we'll, we will pick that. Yeah. My next choice would be Action This Day. No, that's quite lower down. The amount of time I've been walking around singing Action This Day in my head. It very much got in my head. Then probably Body Language, maybe. Okay, dancer. let's just go with that then. Body Language or Dancer. Maybe let's go dancer. dancer. Let's go dancer. Yeah, maybe dancer. It's a bit more. I think it's. I think it, again, that's one of those songs. It's so frustrating. Just, just do it better. <laughs> it's a pretty decent song. It is. Yeah. So where do we rank it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got to take into account the fact that they did make these, from my opinion, erroneous choices around its, you know, production and and instrumentation. So I think I can't rank it too highly. But I said, where would you rank it? Where would you go? Um, I would be probably putting it. Shall we say next to the game? As high as that? Above Sheer Heart probably, Attack? Probably just below it. I think I'd have to go below Sheer Heart Attack. Okay. But I'd be okay with it above Day at the Races, I think. Yeah. Okay, let's put it there. Okay. So that's it's not too much compromising there. So we have another little jump, really. So we go to 1984, and this is The Works. So in in The Gap, there's been lots of solo projects. I think Roger Taylor's second album. The atmosphere is still a bit strained, but they're sort of working better together. And the, the sound on the album is much improved from the, from the previous album. How, how do you like the works? At the time, I really loved this album. I was conscious of Flash Gordon when it came out. But I think the works is the first album that I remember being released at the time, I remember listening to Radio Gaga in the car. It came on Radio Air, driving up Rawdon Town Street. And we stopped at the post office and it was playing Radio Gaga. And I thought, this is a cracking song. What's this? And it turned out to obviously to be the uh, the opening track on this album. And I thought it was brilliant. And I just really liked it. And it was a real felt like Queen were coming back. And I want to break free with the classic video, uh, Hammer to Fall. You know, these really strong songs. It really felt like they were coming back. And this was just before Live Aid as well. So they still hadn't had that impact yet so at the time i really liked it so then when i was coming back to it this time i thought will i like it as much and the answer is i admire it as much as i did then actually i'm surprised i expected it to be sort of almost falling down a little bit from my young teenage ears but they were well tuned it turns out i think this is has some pretty good stuff on it but it's also got some things on it that i don't like it's got some keep passing the open windows tear it up man on the prowl they all feel pretty weak to me i don't really like it's a hard life i think i did at the time but i don't anymore so it's not as good as i remember it but it's nowhere near as bad as i expected it's actually pretty decent so i think it's all right i don't think it's got the depth and personality of some of their earlier albums. They feel like a little bit more straightforward songs with Freddie doing a lot of, providing a lot of the charisma. It doesn't feel like it's got that same fun eccentricity of some of their peak work, but it's still pretty decent. I think a lot of that is intentional because it is called The Works because it's kind of like, again, I, I think after the poor reaction to Hot Space, they thought, right, let's give them The Works. And that's where it comes from. So they've, 
again, it's a little bit more of a back to basics thing, I think, for them. And it is very 80s, but I do still think it sounds pretty good and it doesn't sound yeah. as dated as a hell of a lot of 80s albums. I think generally, I think it's pretty good throughout. I don't think it has a real stinker on the album. Some tracks are definitely but stronger than others, I would say. I really like It's a Hard Life. I think that's like a, a little bit of an underrated one. I think it's one of, I think it's great. So it's one where we disagree. A, a, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I really hammer to fall and I always really loved I Want to Break Free. Radio Gaga is, is a good song. Apparently started off as Radio Kaka or Kaka and it was Roger Taylor's sort of like slagging off sort of crappy radio a bit and that he couldn't get it right and left it to the band and the band sort of messed around with it and it became Radio Gaga. Well, it certainly works. I mean, it is, it mm. is a, I think, a, a really good song, a real standout of uh, some of Roger Taylor's writing as well. Yeah. Obviously, they've got four writers of songs in the band. I think they've all written some excellent songs and some of the stinkers as well. I think if you did a, obviously, we, we will be doing a top 10, but if you did a bottom top 10, a bottom 10? Bottom 10, um, yeah. yeah. I think all four songwriters would probably be in both lists. Yeah, I think you're right. And they'd all be in the top 10 as well. Yes, that's what I mean, yeah, both lists. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yes, of course, you said both lists. So, yeah, yeah, made the point far clearer than I did. So I think I'm I'm enjoying this album more than you, but we're, we're kind of... Yeah, but we're not miles apart, are we? I think the reason, like you said, it's a bit more stripped down and basic, and therefore, to me, it just feels like it feels less characterful, whereas I think Queen always did have that different sound where they did, they sounded like Queen. You could spot from, you know, space that it was Queen playing. They were just so unique. Largely, I think, down to Brian's guitar work. But whereas here, this just feels a slightly differently put together. So it's, yeah, it's decent. And I do like it. And my favourite tracks then, anyway, Hammer to yeah. Fall, Is This the World We Created, Machines or Back to Humans, I Want to Break Free, and Radio Gaga. Okay. My top three are Hammer to Fall, I Want to Break Free, and It's a Hard Life. So Okay, so we've got two crossovers there. We've got we? two overlap there. So shall we go with those? Yeah, yeah. We've got a brand track and a John track. And where are we going to rank this? I don't know. The ranking's starting to feel a little bit like a bit of a mess, to be honest. <laughs> it's feeling like too many compromises. I'm not quite sure it's got much coherence to it anymore. But I think I would put it above the game Ooh. or around there. I would be putting it top two, I would say, probably. Oh, higher, higher still. Well, if you, well, definitely above the game then. Um, yes, let's go. Would you go, well, oh, you'd go above jazz, wouldn't you? You know, uh, you, well, yeah, jazz. definitely. So let's put it above jazz as well, then, because then that that takes into account. Yeah, that helps you shuffle that slightly in your your favour. Let's put it there at the moment. I think third's fine there. I don't think we can go much higher. Yeah, that's near enough for me to compromise. So the next album, um, a kind of magic, nineteen eighty six. They're still in the studio separately. This to me sounds like they've taken the template from the works and just thought, let's do this again. One Vision is their Radio Gaga. Kind of Magic is like, I want to break free. Friends Will Be Friends is there. It's a hard life. Who Wants to Live Forever is there. Is this the world it, we created? Is this the world we created? You know, Princes of the Universe, Give Me the Prize is there. Hammer to Fall. Um, give Me the Prize is Tear It Up. And the one thing that is sort of noticeable, with maybe one exceptional, or not really, is that they're all weaker versions. I, I think. I agree with everything you just said, yeah. I think a Kind of Magic, it's, it's an all right album. It's not terrible but you know i would listen to the works every time over it i agree with everything you said there and i think it's important to add that it is half a soundtrack album as well 
the, the sort of second half in particular, I think, is part of Highlander. Yes, correct, yes. So, again, I think that infects it and makes it worse. So it makes quite a few of the tracks that you didn't mention to be really kind of un, not really worth mentioning. They do feel a little bit throwaway. But I agree with everything you said. I think most of those tracks are weaker than the ones that they are copying. The exception for me is Who Wants to Live Forever, which I think is stronger than Is This the World We Created. I do also like One Vision. I'm not mad keen on anything else on this album, really. Kind of Magic's all right. I really, really loved A Kind of Magic at the time, and I don't think it's quite stood up as well, but I do still like it, I have to say. I remember it was quite exciting because when it was being released, I remember being at school and it was going to be shown on breakfast TV. It was going to be their de- the debut. It was going to be on breakfast TV and we were all kind of waiting, hoping that we could watch it before we had to get the rush off and get the school bus. And I think we just saw it before it went. And yeah, I thought it was great at the time and we we're all so excited because now we're post Live Aid and obviously we all, most of us enjoyed the works. So it's really, Queen are absolutely the crackling the band at the moment. So yeah, this was huge news when this was being released. And, and yeah, I think it's a Roger track, isn't it? A kind of magic. And it really yes. felt like it was pretty good at the time. Yeah, but I don't think it stood up as much. I do think Who Wants to Live Forever for me is the standout. And One Vision I do like as well. So it's a, for me, it's between those three. Yeah, yeah. I think as well, they, they I mean, they were massive because they, they released just after this, the live magic which um, got, it did very well in the charts as well. So I think that that sort of overshadowed this album as, a little bit as well. It was their final tour. It was, yes, in the end, yes. Yeah, Freddie said he, he couldn't couldn't cope with touring anymore after that. So that this was their last tour. Played the last gig, I think, at a uh, big gig at Nebworth. So you, tracks-wise, you want Who Wants to Live Forever as one of them, is that right? Yeah, that definitely. And then one of the first two tracks. Kind of Magic or One Vision will be my choices. Obviously, if you disagree, speak now. Yeah, that would be perfect timing. I'll go for A Kind of Magic because I prefer that over One Vision. I'm okay with Who Wants to Live Forever. So ranking the album, where would you put it? Well, I would go leave it not quite at the bottom because I obviously think it's better than Flash, but I don't think it goes any higher. Yeah, it's it's hard to say because I think I probably do prefer it to sort of the first couple of albums, but it's in a group of albums that I just wouldn't put on and listen as a whole album. So I don't mind leaving it down there. Yeah, for me, it's quite a step down from anything they've done previously, with the exception of Flash. But Flash has an excuse for being a soundtrack. So let's move on, shall we, to The Miracle? So this is 1989, The Miracle. Freddie's had two solo albums, one of them Barcelona, the uh, operatic album. Brian May's been off working with Bad News. And Roger oh, Taylor he had news? A, He was working with them, yeah. The comic strip band. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Adrian Edmondson and that lot, yeah. Yeah, Roger Taylor had a solo album out as well. They're back to all working in the studio together, so they're getting on better. They've agreed to split the credits and the money now as well, which um, I think probably takes some of the pressure off some of the arguments. So The Miracle, this one in the sort of album by album book is kind of agreed on as this is the weaker stepping stone onto innuendo. What what do you make of it? I think it's a step up from kind of magic and it does definitely feel like a reset, which is what you just described them back in the studio together, getting on, splitting royalties, etc. So it does feel like a reset of Queen. Let's try and establish a healthier approach again. And I think it's better than a kind of magic, but I don't think it's a particularly interesting album. It feels a bit flat and although there's some good songs on here, Kashogi Ship, uh, you know, I want it all there's some good stuff on here. It does feel a little bit flat and just some a basic rock album that 
could have been done by anybody, but that doesn't mean it's terrible by any means. It's all right. And that's, that's for me, this is just an all right album. Again, it's another one I bought at the time when it came out and people were saying, you know, Queen, uh, you know, back on, back on it. This is, this is Queen back to their best. And it, it isn't, I don't know. It just feels a little bit uninteresting to me. It's all right. Do you, do, what do you think? Well, this is another one that I, I actually enjoyed a lot more than I was expecting to. I mean, these, the miracle and innu- innuendo and, and well, the last three albums I was expecting to really not rate at all. I have to say, with the miracle, I've, I really enjoyed it, and it's probably the album I've listened to most. And the uh, oh, really? Yeah, I think because it's it's a bit more of a surprise, and it wasn't one I was particularly familiar with. Obviously, I knew some of the singles, but it just grew on me a lot. I have to say, I mean, the rather does a little bit at the end, you know, the rain must fall, which is which is definitely the stinker of the album, and the couple of songs after it all sounds quite eighties and quite dated. But I think, yeah, as I say, overall, I I did really enjoy the album. I have been listening a bit as well. There's a collector's edition, which has the um, first takes off of the album. And that's really quite enjoyable as well. And it's a bit more, you know, just a little bit rawer. Maybe that'd be better. Yeah, I think in some ways it is. And I've been like, when I've been listening to it, I've been swapping and like listen to one and the other and trying to work out which is best. But yeah, I I've, um, have enjoyed this album, I have to say. What tracks would you pick? Well, I like Party, but I would, my top, two or three are Khashoggi's ship I want it all and possibly I actually quite like my baby does me the one that you sort of didn't sort of suggested was less good mm. I don't mind breakthrough and the invisible man they're all right but they feel that they feel a little bit kind of far away to me my baby does me I just thought felt a bit more dated I do of those three is definitely my favorite it's a sort of slightly funkier one isn't it it's, yeah I did quite like it I mean my top two are I want it all and Khashoggi's ship Oh, well, there you go then. That's so, shall we my... pick those two? So, I feel we're going to struggle slightly to rank it. Yeah. Because I would put this above the kind of magic, of course. I'm not sure. I'd, would I go above Queen and Queen 2, maybe? But it would be around there. I mean, I would have it much higher up. because I mean, I'm happy for it to go above Queen and Queen 2, which is where you've put it already, I yeah. see. I don't think... Would I go above Day of the Race? I don't think I, don't think I wouldn't go above the Day of the Races, I don't think. But I mean, obviously you can, if you want to. Yeah. So we're kind of at the top end, the top end of where, the very top end of where I'd put it. Okay. Just trying to think where, you say I would probably, it's probably a top five album for me. So where, what's fifth? Let's have a look. News of the World, Night of the Opera, The Works, Jazz, The Game. So where would you put it in relation to The Game and Sheer Heart Attack? Probably above, I think I'd have it above The Game. Goodness me. I kind of feel The Game should be below Sheer Heart Attack. I'd be quite similar, I'd say, The Miracle to The Game. Because I, I, they're both albums I sort of enjoyed on a similar at a similar level. And uh, can we put can we put Sheer Heart Attack above the game, and then we can put the Miracle above the game, but below Sheer Heart Attack? Let's just move on. Let's not talk about it anymore. Well, we weren't even talking about. It. We were just sitting silently looking at the list. Which yeah, we admittedly were. isn't brilliant audio. Hopefully that bit will get edited out. But yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. Because obviously you've got then jazz above that, and I'm thinking, why is that there? Okay, so we're going to go to innuendo. Yeah, so it's so we're hitting the 90s now, 1991, and this is this is the last album put together as a complete band while you know Freddie was around. I do, I suspect they were probably aware of this, and they've particularly tried to uh, a, a little bit throw everything at it again. But in a slightly different way, I think they've tried to sort of redo, or they've got a night at the opera. I think the record cover kind of like is a little bit a nod to the Queen of Old 
I felt pretty much at the time, I felt innuendo was a, a rather conscious effort to copy Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't didn't really like it. I do kind of like like this album a lot more now than I thought I would. But overall, I think having Coming After the Miracle, I don't like it as much as that. But there are some great songs on here. And they have done, I think, outdone themselves with Stinkers in terms of Delilah, <laughs> which is probably their worst song ever. Yeah, that is my stinker on this album as well. Yeah, what what do you think of the album? Well, I think it's a step up from the Miracle. There's a lot of really nice things on here. I think the innuendo song's pretty pretty good, pretty decent. I'm going slightly mad, headlong. I think things like These Are the Days of Our Lives is, is an absolutely gorgeous song. Show Must Goes On is pretty decent as well. So, so I think there's quite a lot on here that I, I like. I, this is this is an album like you're saying. I expected to just think, ugh, you know, tiresome, outdated, you know, nonsense as sometimes later albums from artists can be when albums have really kind of passed their sell-by dates. But no, it's not. It's good. There's lots of really good stuff on here. Still sounds pretty good to me. There's a lot of strong songs. So I'm I'm of the view that this is a step up from The Miracle and actually a pretty strong album. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with a, a lot of that. I do think it's a decent album and, um, and strong. I do prefer The Miracle, obviously. That's no uh, surprise. And I agree a lot about a lot of the songs as well. I do actually, on re-listening, I have quite enjoyed Innuendo. I've always thought These Are The Days Of Our Lives is a great song. And The Show Must Go On, of course, is is excellent as well. And thinking of these other dates of our lives as well, think of that a game I tried to do earlier on is actually try and guess who wrote each song. And I find that it is actually quite tricky. And these are the days of our lives you would not get right. I don't think initially you wouldn't expect it to be Roger Taylor. No, no, I wouldn't. No, if you tested me on that, I wouldn't have said Roger Taylor. I think I would have put John as the least likely to have written that. But actually, as I said, that's the one that Roger actually sang when I saw them live. So I suppose there was a clue there, but I just didn't pick up on that clue. Yeah. So thinking of the tracks, is it These Are The Days Of Our Lives? Is that your top track? Yeah, that would be my top track on the album. So yes, I would vote for that, as assuming that crosses over with yours. Yeah. And then probably the show must go on. Although yeah. I do like the song Innuendo as well. And I'll say there's quite a few other songs on here I do like as well. And and qu- quite rightly, as you say, Delilah that isn't one of them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, The Show Must Go On is my second. Well, those are my top two, definitely, as well. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's just do that then. That's that's sorted. And we're ranking these higher than we expected, which is nice. I, I like it when that happens, when we discover an album that we think is going to be a load of real rubbish, and it's actually, you think, oh, gosh, there's a lot here that's really good. Yeah, there is something about an early band's career that tends to feel more authentic, and, and later band's career, when they change style, people seem to quibble with that because it's not what they fell in love with initially so it's actually quite nice when you discover a band's later career is really good as well i think obviously quite often they just become less relevant and i think the often of success i think doesn't really particularly help with creativity as well so quite often later albums can just not feel as good at all and don't get me wrong i mean this wouldn't be in the top five for me or anything but it is a decent album definitely well, I think with later out, because you tend to discover bands and albums a lot when you're teen years and younger years, and you, you, you tie them up with the emotions you felt at the time or the experiences you were having. And therefore, when you put on whatever song, you're remembering those moments. What you, what you discover when you're 50 is just the music. that you, you don't have those same stories with it. And therefore, it's having to do a lot more work as well, because there isn't that emotional stuff going on mm. in the same way. I, I think it does very much depend on when you discover a band and what age you are and how important those songs are to you. Whereas Innuendo was an, an album that by the time this came out, I really wasn't listening to Queen anymore. The last one I bought was The Miracle. 
and I'd moved on by this point. We're talking early 90s. So I was in a very different place. I was listening to Nirvana and the Pixies and whatever else and wasn't listening to Queen anymore. So where are we going to rank it then? Because I would go above the miracle. Okay. I would go below. I wouldn't go probably go above sheer heart attack. No. You see, I would have it. Obviously, I'd, I'd have it definitely below the game as well. Even probably have it below whole space, you know. Yeah, I don't think I would. I mean, if we're going to go below the miracle, that seems like a bit more of a balanced view, perhaps. Let's leave it there, shall we? And then finally, um, we have 1995. We have Made in Heaven. So Freddie is no longer with them. And this is the album that the rest of the band put together, re-recording some songs and using bits and pieces that they had had left over. And what, what do you think of this one? This is not bad, and I'd never heard when we started doing this. Although I knew a couple of the songs, but I didn't, I'd never heard it. And I thought this is just going to be absolutely painful to get through. I thought it was just going to be absolute drivel, but it wasn't. It was a lot better than that. It was a lot better than I expected. I still don't think it's anywhere near a classic album. It's not going to trouble the top half of the table for me, but it was a lot better than I expected. But it doesn't feel like it adds much that we haven't heard before. It feels like fairly decent offcuts, cleverly put together, made into pretty decent songs, but not really taking us to new places. So, yeah, it's all right. I'll probably never listen again, but it's nowhere near as bad as I expected. And I have to say it's it, it's quite well done. I mean, I, I agree with some of that. I thought first time I listened to it, I kind of like it felt sort of a little bit, a little bit emotional. And it was sort of tugged at your heartstrings a bit. It's obviously part of why it's put together is a bit of a tribute to Freddie. After that, I would say, you know, it's a passable pop album, but not really much more than that. I think, you know, there's no bangers on here. It does feel like it's been sort of cobbled and scraped together a bit from, you know, stuff that wasn't used. I mean, a lot of it, there's a couple of tracks re-released from, not re, sorry, re-recorded from his, from Mr. Bad Guy and they sort of queenified the songs. That Too Much Love Will Kill You nearly made it onto the miracle, but didn't, fortunately. That Let Me Live song, that was from the works time and they were going to record it with Rod Stewart or I don't know if they actually did but obviously it didn't make it onto the works album. A Winter's Tale is the last song that Freddie Mercury wrote as a complete song and the Mother Love um, track four that is the last vocal Freddie ever did. He apparently couldn't even walk up the stairs to the studio so I guess he was helped up or carried up or whatever but if you listen to the vocal you can't tell he still sounds incredibly strong voice. But uh, he must have, he must have been incredibly ill at the time. Yeah, I remember when you saw bits of him filming, uh, making innuendo, and some of the videos for that. It was quite difficult to watch some of it because you could see how weak he was. And obviously, this was around the same time the album was released later. But obviously, Freddie's vocals were recorded similar time. It was quite heart wrenching to watch it. I mean, as we said at the beginning of this very lengthy podcast, that Freddie had something which cut through to every single person. You know, everybody knew who he was. Everybody liked Freddie Mercury. Everybody admired him. You didn't even have to like Queen. You liked Freddie Mercury. You admired him. So to see him become so weak, having been such a powerful stage presence, was quite heartbreaking for to watch. But I found innuendo more poignant in that sense. And to me, some of the, some of the songs on there, to me, felt that was Freddie's last hurrah, whereas this feels a little bit more just like exploiting what was left and shoving it on and it wasn't quite good enough at the time but yet you know here it is so yeah but yeah it's better than i thought so as i said so you you mentioned let me live that would be my top track on the album 
Yes, Possibly me too. Works. It was around the works time. Okay. Well, that goes on then. And then where would you go next? Um, I agree with you. There's no standout, by the way. I think next I would pick perhaps Made in Heaven or Heaven for Everyone. That's a Roger Taylor. Roger Taylor recorded that for his band, The Cross. But Freddie had actually been to them in the studio and had actually recorded vocals for it, which I think was used on some versions of the album. But then they, they re-recorded it and put his um, his vocals on. So that may be. It's a Beautiful Day is okay. That was um, an improvisation he did from around the game time, that one. So maybe one of those. Um, let's go for Heaven for Everyone. I mean, that, of those, that will be my favourite. Okay. And I have a soft spot for Roger Taylor, so I'm quite happy to put one of his song on. And where would you rank this? I mean, personally, I would put it above Flash Gordon and, and no further. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'd probably put it above Kind of Magic. Well, would I? I don't know. I'm not even going to ponder it. I'm just going to accept what you've said. But if I did, it would only be one more up. So I'm happy with that. I mean, I do think this does sound like it was cobbled together with the last bits. And I think they made a very good job of it. But but it's still cobbled together with the last bits. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, so we've had a bit of time now to think about our list and our ranking. And I don't know about you, but I've had some thoughts that I don't think we've got this quite right. So you want to change it? Yes. I suppose we should say then that normally what we do do is we do the list, do the ranking before that sting thing at the end of the main discussion. Whereas now, because you just said that, we've cut that off and we're going to we're going to change the format here and actually have a reflection time and then confirm the ranking at the end of the entire thing. Yes, but for now, we need to still bicker over the actual well listing. Hang on a sec, because let's. Th- there is a process here which involves looking at extra tracks and live tracks cover, and then we can just quickly jimmy the ranking around or something. So as it won't flow into there's, there's doing it at the end, will it? Right, okay, that's Crying fine. out loud. Okay, so you want record covers next? Well, whatever, whatever the order is, what do we do? Record cover, extra tracks, live tracks, whatever it is. Yeah. This has really thrown you, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I just thought we'd do the, the uh, ranking bit here. But anyway, no. yeah, so so record covers. Right, record covers then. So yeah, <laughs> any favourites jumping out at you? Not really. I'm not a massive fan of all their, their record covers. I think the A Day at the Races and the Night at the Opera ones are quite nice. They're quite classy. If you like a band the picture, then the works, I think, is a nice picture. But the Miracle cover, I think, is a little bit scary. Although I think for its time, it was quite innovative. Innuendo, I think, very much nods back to the old day of the races and night of the opera class, and that's a quite a nice cover as well. Yeah, I don't listen. I quite like Hot Space, but I don't know if it's that just because I quite like the album. I kind of agree with you in all of that. Actually, none of the covers jump out to me as particularly amazing. I quite like Queen Two cover as another band pick, especially as it's quite an iconic Queen picture. I agree with the works is probably the best band photo. I would say my favourite again, similarly. My second place favourite might be Hot Space as a cover. My favourite is probably Innuendo. It's maybe between those two as covers. Okay. I think those are the two I would probably pick out as well. Those are our two. Do we have to pick a favourite? I suppose we do. I don't think so. Shall we? we? Oh, we do, don't we, usually? We do, usually do, yeah. I'm happy with Innuendo. I would uh, Okay. Okay, so that's our favourite album cover. Yeah. So the next section is normally when we pick extra tracks. There aren't actually that many to go at, and I, I didn't find anything, I think, that would add to our list, which is already quite long. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. They don't have, I mean, all their singles appeared on albums. There wasn't really a lot else of unreleased stuff because obviously they, they did squish a lot of it onto Made in Heaven. So yeah, I, I don't think there's anything that really calls for extra inclusion there. Live tracks, however, I would say there is. There's some pretty good live tracks. Yes. Do you want to kick us off on that? Well, I went to Live Killers because for me, that's an album that I really liked. It's an album that I actually own as well and used to listen to a lot when I was a young young lad. So I just really stuck with that. And I like all of that album. I really liked Death on Two Legs on that. I liked I'm in Love with My Car. Spread Your Wings was very good on that album, but we picked that anyway. I liked the beginning Rockier We Will Rock You. I think, I don't know, Death on Two Legs always struck me. And, and I'm in love with my car. I just really liked those two. What about you? I listened to a bit. One thing I think that's really got, I think for my age, is listening to We Will Rock You and We Are The Champions as live things. So I was going to suggest that we pick those two from the Live Aid performance, because that's oh. quite iconic, sort of finish off that, which I think would mean we would have to actually pick another track for... Um, from News of the World. News of the World, because we picked We Will Rock You, although they will be opposite ends, so I don't think it really matters. We could leave it. Because we picked Spread Your Wings and We Will Rock You. So by this rule, there's no point switching it out for We Are The Champions, is there? So That's correct. I think we just leave it. Yeah. Do you want Death and Two Legs and then finish with the We Will Rock You, you We Are The Champions? Yeah, I do. Okay, so what's next on the agenda? Are we now bickering about the order? I mean, technically next, it's any other business. So I suppose that's what this is. So what's your problem with it? So initially, well, my main problem is the jazz is far too high. So when I was looking at that, I do think for a start off, sheer heart attack is below that and we should move that up a place because we both quite liked it, whereas we both didn't quite like jazz. Um, okay, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I think I was a little bit down on it as well last time. And I think unfairly so. I think just at the time I've been listening to Queen so much and I got a little bit bored of it. But having had a break and sort of listened to it again, it is actually better than I was probably fighting for it at the time. Okay. I'm happy with Sheer Heart Attack going above jazz, but I do want to put my own request in then. And that is that Innuendo goes above the miracle. Well, my next suggestion was actually because we both actually quite like Innuendo as well. And I'm thinking that that could possibly go above jazz. I wouldn't, I was thinking that as well, actually. I mean, I do, I'm okay with that because actually, as always happens with these things, you reflect more, you listen a bit more. I actually think innuendo, I admire it more and more the more I uh, listen to it and the more I, I just think it's, it's a really good album. So yeah, okay. I'm happy with that. The only other thing then was actually whether I could justify putting the miracle above jazz because I have, of the Queen canon, i.e. these studio albums, proper albums that were made when all four were alive. I would put Jazz Bottom. So I was thinking Miracle, I think, well, for me, definitely should be above. Well, if you're going to put Jazz Bottom, everything would be above. Yes, well, Apart yeah. from Made in Heaven, perhaps, and maybe Flash. Well, yeah, they you would put it below a kind of dancer. Call. Yeah, kind of. You put it below a kind of magic. Yeah, I would rather listen to a kind of magic. God, you're nuts. Yeah. Uh, well, in that case, I suppose we have to, don't we? I mean, this is the thing that if jazz is an album that appeals to me and I quite like it, but it doesn't appeal to you, then presumably that would be reflected among many other people's opinions as well. I think the pro well, say the problem, the an issue with Queen is actually they don't really have many terrible albums or anything. There's actually not masses of difference between a lot of That's them. That's true. Since we did the main part of the podcast, I've been listening to 
Hot Space and The Miracle particularly quite a lot, and I like them even more. Well, I was wondering about would you put Hot Space above the game? Um, I definitely would, yes. Because I'd be open to that. Because I've, I've listened to Hot Space a little bit more, and I've actually admire it more and more each time, even though the, the same problems with it remain. But I do, I do quite like it. I think the more I listen to it, the less all that 80s-ness of it matters. Oh, right. Oh, I don't think I've got quite that far. It still matters to me. Yeah. I, I don't really like the first song, but the rest of the album I do like. Okay, so we're happy with that. Um, Does that feel yes, better I to you? Yes, I think I can settle with that. I think I will um, sleep easier now. So number 15 is Flash Gordon. Number 14 is Made in Heaven. Number 13 is A Kind of Magic. Okay, number 12 is Queen 2. Number 11 is Queen or Queen 1. Okay, so number 10 is The Day at the Races. Number 9 is The Game. Number 8 is Hot Space. Number 7 is Jazz. Okay, number 6 is The Miracle. Number 5 is Innuendo. Number 4 is Sheer Heart Attack. Number 3 is The Works. Number 2 is The Night at the Opera. And number 1 is News of the World. <laughs> 